Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inspire Nation, a daily show where we help you discover your inner passion, overcome life's greatest challenges, and to shine bright. I'm your host, Michael Sandler. Along with my wife and co-host, Jessica Lee, you'll get expert, heartfelt advice from leading authors, athletes, and doctors, along with spiritual masters, peaceful warriors, and beaming beacons of light. Plus, you'll find guided meditations to help you through your day and on your way from some of the top meditation experts and spiritual masters out there. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss a beat. Again, be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like the show, please be sure to rate it and review it. Thanks so much. This greatly helps others find the show. To check out our schedule and get the latest advice, visit our website at inspirenationshow.com. That's inspirenationshow.com. Get ready to live your greatest life and to shine bright. Woohoo! If you like this interview, please do us a huge favor. Please rate and review our show. Ratings help our rankings and help people to find the show. This means they can enjoy the same interviews that you do. Your ratings make a huge difference, so please rate and review our show. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, Michael Sandler here, your host on Inspire Nation. Today we'll be starting things a little differently. If you've never heard a Tibetan prayer chant, you're in for a special treat. Lama Surya Das, our guest on today's show, will be opening the show with a brief one-minute Tibetan prayer and chant for our well-being and for the entire world. As he says, each one of us is precious. Shine bright. Woohoo! <laughs> You know, every every person and every moment counts. Woohoo! Yes. Yes. Even me. Even you. <laughs> Absolutely. Breathing, relaxing, centering, and smiling. What a miracle. What a gift. Jancho Sancho Krimpoche. Make panan ke guchi ke panyan pa me pa ya kane kandu bewa show. Where the seed of enlightenment has not yet been planted, may it be planted, be planted, may it be sown, may it flourish. Where it has been planted, may it grow. May it spring up and arise. May it provide fruits and shelter to all beings everywhere with whom we are inseparably interconnected and who want and need the same as we do, one family, one beloved community, one sangha. Joy to the world. Imaho. Woohoo! <laughs> well, hi everyone. Michael Sandler here, your host on Inspire Nation. If you've ever wanted to feel better, enjoy life more, and feel our oneness or our interconnected beingness with everyone and everything around you, then do we have the show for you. Today we'll be talking with Lama Surya Das, considered one of the most foremost Western Buddhist meditation teachers and scholars. The Dalai Lama affectionately calls him the Western Lama, and he's the best-selling author of 13 books, including Buddha Standard Time, Awakening the Buddha Within, and his latest book, Make Me One with Everything. Today we'll be talking about oneness and intermeditation, or connecting to everything and everyone around us. We'll talk about why we should do it, how we should do it, when we should do it, and what in the world we all have in common with a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, welcome to the show, Lama Surya Das. Are you ready to shine? Yes. Thank you. Let's shine together. And especially because the name Surya that my guru, Nimkarali Bab in India, gave me in 1971 means the sun or the sun god in Sanskrit, the light. So, ready to shine together. Woo-hoo! All together now. <laughs> Inspire nation. Abby Hoffman used to call it Woodstock Nation in my youth, but today I call it America the Beautiful. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So diving in from one joke to the next, um, what did the Dalai Lama say about a hot dog? I don't know, Michael. What did he say? <laughs> Give me one with everything. <laughs> yes, make me one with everything. That's an old joke. I like it. But there are more innings than I, as I write in, in the book, and that's the title of my book for Meditate, Buddhist meditations to help us see through the illusion of separateness. Mm-hmm. So the hot dog vendor starts slathering and pouring and piling on the hot dog, all the accoutrements. Mm-hmm. Since you're in New York, Michael, you know what they are, the sauerkraut and the, the, the sweet relish and the crappy onions chopped up mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever else gets slathered on for the one with everything, hot dog. And then puts it in a nice, disgusting white frankfurt <laughs> And a greasy piece of wax paper, perhaps, and hands it over to the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. And the Dalai Lama hands him a sawbuck. For you foreigners, that's a 10 in Bronxies. $10 bill. And then there's a pregnant pause. What's going on? Are they meditating? Is it a staring contest? Finally, the Dalai Lama gives. He cracks. First, he says... What? No change? And the hot dog vendor, the Bronx guy says, change must come from within. (laughs) That's not too shabby for a homemade joke. Come on. Change must come from within. But of course, within and without are inseparable, Mm -hmm. ultimately. And we're not as separate as we think. If we think in English about God, we need to understand, I believe, we may feel far from that, but it's never far from us I've and had, so forth. I've had a lot of Tibetan teachers tell me about it being within, about the journey being within, about everything being within. What does that mean? That's a great question, Michael. Um, what they really mean is, is look deeper. It's not just within me or within you. It's within everything. Mm-hmm. It's within every being, not just human beings. The Buddha is within every being, not just Buddhists, not just men, let me mention, not just monks Mm -hmm. either. The Jesus, the Christos, the inner light, the divine, the Godhead is within everyone, not just the Catholics of the right sect, I'm sure. And all beings endowed with this inner luminosity or light by which we see and are seeing the clear light, we call it in Tibetan, the inner luminosity. But it's within everything including nature and all of our relations, which is the theme of my book, connecting with that, see, recognizing that with a capital T in everyone and everything. So how do we go about recognizing if the, if the flame is inside of us, it's inside of every one of us, it's inside of every th- everything, um, which is fascinating because you have a section on trees and I'm, I'm interviewing Derek Rydell later today with a book, Emergence, with a giant oak tree on the cover. So it's in the oak tree too. How do we begin to connect everything, all of this oneness together? Yes. Well, that's why I 
subtitled as Buddhist Meditations to Awaken from the Illusion of Separation. Mm-hmm. I call, I've coined the term co-meditation or intermeditation for this, awakening together, convergitating, mergitating, mm-hmm. oneing. I make up these words because we don't really have them in our dualistic, Western, rational, Aristotelian logic language. Mm-hmm. So co-meditating means not just meditating with another person or even just meditating. It means resonating together, like breathing together, vibrating together, like you and I. We're seeing each other, hearing each other. We're like resonating together. So when two tuning forks resonate together, they start moving in the same way. Mm-hmm. So how much more us with our many, much more sensitivity and consciousness in the world than just, you know, tuning forks. So similarly, we, if we look into the eyes of a beloved or if we breathe together yeah. or our pet or our favorite part of nature, a tree or water, for me it's the water or the ocean lake, then we kind of, it, it, it does it for us. And we realize our intrinsic connection, not that we have to unify what was separate but recognize our intrinsic primordial interconnectedness, oneness, wholeness, inseparability. That's co-meditation without crossing your legs, crossing your eyes, and praying to get enlightened. So, so I go to a, a Starbucks, so to speak, and uh, wherever I go, it's, it's, um, I'm trying to be the light. And so you get somebody, a cashier or something, they're not smiling, whatever it is, and, and I'm going to do whatever I can to hold that space to see if I can vibrate a frequency to get a smile. <laughs> well, and now you're adding on. You're wanting something from them. Ooh, of attachment, course. yes. Like you, I go around also, you know, hoping to make nice relations rather than mm-hmm. treat them like an ATM machine or a parking meter, of course. But getting a smile is not what I was after. What I'm saying is seeing the light and the divine and everything so yes. that you can even see it in whoever your bogeyman is, Hitler. Yep. Saddam Hussein, I don't know, a serial killer, a rapist, a person that you don't like running for president in the other party. You know, people have extreme views and, and prejudices. So how can we, and not expecting to get a smile from them, mm-hmm. but we can see they're all children of God, however misled we may think they are. You have and a, you not have just a story. them, but also animals, not just the beautiful dolphins and our beautiful dog or cat, but, you know, also the tsetse fly and the shark, mm-hmm. which may be, not be the, the cuddliest, but they're all child, children of God to talk in English. They all have the Buddha nature, the, uh, the uh, inner life, some kind of animating principle, it's, uh, the spirit. It's a miracle. We didn't put it there. Life is a miracle, and we have to, I mean, I believe, respect it. Mm-hmm. Respect it. There's a story. Whether the shark smiles at us or not. <laughs> there's, there's a story you have in the book um, about, I'm not sure if she's a, a minister or what, uh, somebody who, I'm, I'm going to butcher the story, I apologize. She From was, Texas? Uh, she gets held up by gunpoint? Yes, in a parking lot. She was a minister in Texas. And uh, uh, what was her response to that? She said, um, you can hear, this is all I have. I wish I could give you more what you you know what you need i can't give you but here's all that i have and god bless you and this is at night in a, in a gunpoint so she could have been scared mm-hmm. and that guy was so of course he was in the throes of whatever he was in perhaps addict frenzy or whatever but 5 or 10 years later he came to her church he found her and he was cleaned up and he said do you remember me she said no and he said I was the guy who held you up at gunpoint and you saved my life. 
Wow. You saved and transformed my life. What can I do for you and your, and your church? That's a true story she told me. She recognized the oneness in, in all of us. She treated him as we would like our, ourselves or our children to be treated. And he got it miraculously. You know, this doesn't happen all the time, but her aim was true. How do we start? Because this is something clearly she didn't just come up with this on the spur of the moment. <laughs> no, she was well-trained and tamed. Her own inner poisons or, mm-hmm. you know, obscurations were well purified and cleared by her own, you know, what she would call her prayer life and her good Samaritan practices. So in emergency, mm-hmm. she was ready. She didn't have to think about it. Your book does a great job at going down this path and starting to train people, starting to wake people up, starting to help people to connect to this. Where, where Thank is... You. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank Where you. do people begin? What is what is baby step number one down this path? Well, I don't really see people as beginners. We were all on a path. Mm-hmm. The soul is timeless. The soul is ancient. This light is primordial. It's in all of us. We don't have to jump into the flow, Joe, or try to get into the flow. It's flowing through us right now. But that's my vision, and that's what I've learned through my 45 years of meditation and yoga and et cetera, practice in the Himalayas and with my gurus, that by finding it within, when you dig deep enough, you hit the water table, like all wells go down Mm -hmm. to the water table where we're all one. But those who feel they want to make a beginning step, we already did at the beginning of this program. Before I chanted, I said, breathe, relax, center, and smile. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can't be more sense, simple than that. You don't need to wake up a half hour early to meditate, pray, or do yoga. You, it, it's a five-second instant American meditation. Just breathe, relax, center, and smile, and have a moment of mindfulness, a moment of contemplative sweetness, a moment of peace and serenity. Even just sitting at the red light, even waiting for an elevator, even in a difficult meeting. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to close your eyes and show off. Just breathe, relax, enter, and smile in the middle of a meeting, and you'll be better for it, rejuvenated. These moments of mindfulness throughout the day can punctuate the solidity, the claustrophobia of a concretized, you know, a heavy day. These, the breath of fresh awareness, fresh air, fresh spirit can blow through if we give it some room now and then. So I advocate these moments of mindfulness. Of course, if we extend this, breathe, relax, mm-hmm. center, focus, smile. I mean, this is very universal relaxation, but also co- focusing, concentration, exercise. It's sacred, but it's also secular. You don't have to believe in anything. It's non-sectarian. We can do this five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half. You know, if you do it 20 minutes every day, you have a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. How do you get help people to be able to um, remember this? Because in, in the moment, it's hard. <laughs> so on my wrist, I have my wrist mala, my, my prayer beads. Mm-hmm. I also have some around my neck. I mean, I don't wear them all the time here, but in general, I lived in India and in Himalayas for 20 years. I always wear them. We use them. We pray. We chant with them. It's just a reminder. So... Mindfulness is sweeping the nation. It's a it's a new fed. It's a healthy one. Mm-hmm. I like to emphasize remindfulness, remembering to be mindful, reminding ourselves now and then, remembering to remember 
what we're doing while we're doing it. That's remindfulness. And, but there's still the how. So we have to practice, if we want to, practice and train ourselves to remember. So I have my beads, and um, some people have something in their car, like their guru's picture or a statue or a, um, you know some beads or some spirit catcher hanging from the mirror, mm-hmm. as long as it's not obstructing your view, of course. <laughs> and we have to find little ways to remember during the day. So at home, I have an altar, of course. I'm a professional meditator. I'm a meditation teacher, so I have a meditation room. But, you know, you can have symbols around you. You can have something in your wallet. I have my guru's picture in my wallet and the Dalai Lama's picture and, you know, so on. Um, However you can remember to come back from distraction, from wandering, from the endless tape loops replaying in our mind, I said, she said, I should have said, Again, take a breathe, relax, center, smile, a moment of lightness, and, and, and lighten up as well as enlightening up. <laughs> that will help a lot. And we have to keep reminding ourselves and each other, which brings me to another point about mm-hmm. this, Michael. No one can do this alone. Take my word for it. I've tried. I was a monk for nine years in a Tibetan retreat center monastery. We need each other to get enlightened, to open our hearts and minds. As the Dalai Lama says, we need each other to get enlightened, develop compassion, empathic love in action and kindness and so on, not just wisdom or knowledge up to the head. So we remind ourselves by finding kindred spirits, Mm -hmm. a community, a pen pal, a buddy, a satsang, a sangha, a truth fellowship, beloved community, Martin Luther King Jr. called it. Community helps a lot. We need support. If we're lucky to have a mentor, a spiritual director, an authentic spiritual master in our life, even better. Fantastic. But I'm not saying you need that or you need to follow someone. Hear what I'm saying. Yeah. No one can do it alone. We, need, we remind each other and we do this together. The path, the, the, big, the infinite journey. And it's an infinite journey in life and even lifetimes. It's a universal journey. But it's also very intimate. You know, remember what you said, it is within. It's a journey from head to heart and soul and beyond to total embodiment, not just ascending mm-hmm. or up when you need directional or not just after we die and go somewhere, heaven or somewhere. You mentioned something interesting in the book. I'm not sure if it came from you or from the, the, the Dalai Lama that uh, you said, we are surfing the cresting wave of evolution. Yes, uh, that's not a quote from anyone. I said that. It's beautiful. What do you mean by that? And is this a shift that's going on right now? Well, I think it's always true. It's, a, it's, a, it's an eternal verity, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, you know, we are the crest. Well, I probably stole this from the Crown of Creation song that goes back to the 60s. Was it the Jefferson Airplane? I don't know. We are the Crown of Creation. Because evolution is moving and, you know, we're the latest model of this vehicle. Makes sense. But more practically, as a Buddhist meditation master, the moment is all. So, you know, like when you're surfing, you ride the crest of the wave. Mm-hmm. The wave is cresting. That's us. Every breath is the newest cresting. Every moment, the mind moment, not just breath, that's way too slow. Every mind moment 
is is the crest is the is the prow of the of the light of, of evolution and consciousness moving forward expanding evolving if you want to talk science mm-hmm. and that's us so nowness is the ultimate buddha within not buddhist buddha it's the ultimate reality it's undeniable it's here and now the future never comes the past is gone nowness and even remembering is a function of nowness awareness. Planning is a function of nowness awareness. So you may think you're going somewhere. You're thinking that now mm-hmm. about the future. So it, nowness is all. And my whole book, Buddhist Standard Time, Awakening to the Infinite Possibilities of the Holy Now, is about this. The fourth time we call it in Tibetan, mm-hmm. Shicha, beyond past, present, and future linear sequential time is the fourth time that intersects it vertically the nowness, the, ho- the holy now. The Christian mystics called it the divine time, changeless, everlasting now, not past becoming present and future, which is how we and everything age. But living in the now is how the finite and the temporal, the temporary, the fleeting, is connected to the eternal, the timeless, the primordial now. Would you call that awareness? Well, some call it awareness. I call it awareness with a capital A+. Plus. <laughs> we're all aware. Your yeah. dogs are also aware. Yeah. But there are different scopes or levels or depths of it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's awareness, but that's a little too anthropocentric. Uh, all beings have some kind of consciousness, uh, living beings. Rocks are hard to talk about. All living sentient beings, we call it, have some kind of consciousness. They may not have a lot of self-awareness, but... You know, they have some scent or they react to light or they move away from fire and, you know, away from danger and towards the desirables. So it is awareness. But even when we're unconscious, we could be aware. Like in lucid dreaming, which is Tibetan dream yoga, it's 2,000 years old. Awakening while we're asleep in the dream and knowing we're dreaming. So it is awareness, but even while we're sleeping. Tibetan masters say even after we're dead in the bardo, in the intermediate state, we still could awaken and know we're as if dreaming, even though we're unconscious. People in comas hear things. This has been well attested from those who've come back. Yeah, we have done. They're uh, unconscious, they're unaware, but there's something animating them. They're still alive. And maybe they hear or even remember things that were said while they were in the coma. This is well established by scientific research. So there's more than meets the I and more than meets the egotistical I in this notion of consciousness and awareness. That's why nowness is not a bad, I mean, it's a made up word. You know, this kind of incandescent presence is really what it is, Mm -hmm. but it's a huge mystery. It's not just awareness, which sounds very mental and human. So you talk about the the basic premise of your book is intermeditation. And so, wondering if you can you can take us that direction. What is intermeditation, and how do we intermeditate? Yes. Well, as I said, like we're doing it now, but it, it's expanding the notion of meditating, especially for those who don't feel like they can sit still or look inside and be quiet. And mm-hmm. you know, there's much more to contemplative practice than just sitting. Even Buddha taught walking meditation, standing, you know, mindfulness of eating, mindfulness of talking. It's all meditation. So yoga is meditation and action, martial arts, and so on. By extension, everything can be done in a sacred manner. Mm-hmm. 
with, by being fully present. By being fully present and accountable, accounted for, mm-hmm. by, through cultivating and tame, training into more awareness, 100% present. You talk about when the, when the Dalai Lama, I think, was maybe your first visit with him, how incredibly present he was with you? Yes. That was a long time ago, <laughs> 1972, but it's a good story. Uh, mostly what stands out for me was how humble he was and human, but I was 21 years old also, so I didn't know which end was up, but I was impressed. And we had a 45-minute, uh, or, you know, I had an audience with him in his living room in Dharamsal, India, where he lives. But he was so present. He was, it, it seemed... My experience was, and this really set me on a path, a course in life, he seemed to be not just interested in me or like human and, you know, but we sat on the couch next to each other and he shook mm-hmm. my hand. There was no bowing involved, which is what you see usually now in public. He was, he, it seemed to me like was the most important thing to him right then, which I knew I could be. He's responsible for five or 6,000 beleaguered Tibetans in his conquered country. And he cares and thinks about human rights all over the world Mm -hmm. and so on. And he's a Buddhist leader. But whoever is in front of him seems to him to be the most important, feels like person. And many have attested to this. So that was unbelievable. So later I asked my own teacher and people about it. And they said, yes, that's, you know, from that's practice. That's the training of being 100% present, of, of total awareness, of, of mindfulness rather than mindlessness. So he, in fact, encouraged me to break out of the meditation retreat business mm-hmm. and more uh, in pub- teach in public and campuses and other places and be more like an American Lama and in the media and help people understand the, the inner and the outer inseparable, like breathing in and breathing out. And this is not just the time for self-growth, and narcissism and using meditation can be one more way to do that. People think it's to close your eyes and cut off from the world and get away from it and go inside. No, it could just well be all of your senses open and merge, not separate yourself from whatever comes up. That's into meditation to answer your question, co-meditation with whatever arises, not closing your eyes, trying to get quiet and get away from it all, which is, called vacation. <laughs> so no more, no more vacation in the cave. Hi, everyone. I hope so much you're enjoying the show. Just a brief pause to ask for an important favor. If you're on iTunes, could you please rate and review our show? No matter how many people listen, it isn't easy to find in iTunes rankings unless you rate the show. The more people who rate it, the more people who can find and enjoy these same interviews that you do. By rating and reviewing the show, you're helping others to shine bright. Thank you so much. Woo! <laughs> and now back to the show. But it's it's intermeditation in the subway, in the yes, in the wherever, well, wherever you are, with your five kids, mm-hmm. with your difficult boss, employee, or in law, with the fanatical, um, dogmatic believers, different than ours. You know, I don't know how to intimate meditate really with the suicide bombers, but theoretically we have to, you know, include that as, you know, it's a part of us. We all have some pretty strong opinions, dogmas and prejudices. Mm-hmm. So they're not as far from us as we think they learned and were loyal to their parents, their teachers, their schools in their place, just like we are to ours. Mm-hmm. That's a huge commonality. 
how do we find this connection with it, it, it's one thing to say i'm connected we're all we're all one that this oneness exists how, how do we find really get at something meaty pithy be able to really know that you and i were we're not separate well in this book i teach the pra- tibetan practice of tonglen of giving and receiving, exchanging self and other based on breathing together, mm-hmm. which leads to resonating together with eyes open, like eye gazing or just in your mind with somebody you love. And, and it kind of reminds you of some things that go on in real lovemaking. So if you think about that, it's hard to explain to somebody when they're a young teenager about real love and real lovemaking because they're into sex and they're hormone driven they means we, but it's some to experience. It's not that hard. And we all have someone in our life that we would do anything for. Um, we all have a beloved grandparent or child or pet or someone, mate. It, 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 we can practice experiencing this and then see if we can't widen it out a little bit and treat others as we would have our beloved be treated, not just be nice to the people who are nice to us. So I think it's very doable. We all have them part of our life. Perhaps it's through sex. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's through extreme, you know, people love extreme exercise, which takes them beyond themselves and they have to let go. And then you get the second wind and it's like a, a soaring updraft. It's a, it's a miracle. We can do that spiritually also. And you catch the updraft. It's like a miracle. You don't have to keep flapping your arms, trying to get lift off like a rocket ship. It's a lot of work. But when you start to get in, realize our intrinsic interconnectedness, we need to examine this, see if it's not true for ourselves, of course, interconnectedness. Today, our globe is shrinking. The world is so interconnected economically Mm -hmm. and populations are moving. We're so mobile and everybody's a hybrid and America is no longer a Judeo-Christian white country, not to mention the rest of the world and changes and environmental changes and climate change. We're so interconnected. Nobody can just think about their own country anymore if they're wise and not about the ozone layer, the waters, the carbon emissions and so on. And so if we also bring that to our own families and our communities, we'll see how we depend on others and they depend on us. And we're not that separate. We're not as separate as we think. And we depend on others. And we're more alike than different. We're all 98% water, yeah. et cetera. And if, if an asteroid hits us, it, we all die like the dinosaurs. You know, I mean, we need to take care of each other while we're here together. I love it. We're all on <laughs> the same boat, Michael. Mm-hmm. We all rise or fall, sink or swim together. Mm-hmm. But we need to look into this. And you're saying how. Yes. So in this book, and in all, like all of my books, it's a workbook. It gives stories and examples and some of the background and theory, but also practices, the exercise that we can do in different ways. I love that. And experience I, these things for ourselves. And I was very drawn, of course, uh, this being my background to nature and the trees and and the clouds and, <laughs> and it's 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 all one there. One of the best ways to meditate, and you mm-hmm. ask what people could do for step one, is to lie on your back and just look at the sky and get back to that childlike wonder and let everything go. Of course, snoring meditation might intrude, but <laughs> you can try it then in a beach chair or just in some way where you don't fall asleep so fast. And just remember, when we were children, we all used to do that. 
and we forget about everything and what who said what at school and we become like one with the grass and the earth i remember i used to feel like i'm dissolving into the earth i'm gonna wake up in china which you know i thought was right below long island the, <laughs> the other side we watched uh, kids trick-or-treating a, a couple of days ago it's just about halloween here and um the kids are coming up they're in costumes but it's cold out and they have almost no clothes on relatively speaking they're not shivering at all they're having a ball <laughs> well that's about energy not about temperatures and degrees yeah and that's also you know as an example of mind over matter and how we fall asleep so easily when we're bored, but we stay up all night when we're passionately interested and involved. Mm -hmm. So it's very important, I think, to find our true vocation and make a life, not just a living, mm -hmm. and our authentic spiritual path. And we won't be falling asleep when we try to meditate. What would you say are the most important things? If you had, let's say, three things to share right now that can help people shift their lives. What would they be? Well, I've been talking about meditation a lot. So let me just, I'll just say that because that's kind of a given, but it doesn't have to be square, seated, quiet meditation. Some contemplative or spiritual practice. It could be prayer. It could be um, anything like that, yoga. Second, so that's a personal spiritual practice, not just attending church, synagogue, or mosque on the high holy days a couple times a year or even on every Sunday. Mm -hmm. But there's seven other, you know, six other days of the week to consider. So some kind of personal spiritual practice. And sec second, some kind of questioning or inquiry, not just taking things for granted or repeating it by rote or just being a follower. I'm all about inculcating and furthering leadership, not followership. So questioning, investigating, Shaking the tree of truth, and if it splinters and falls, it, then it should. It's not the timeless, eternal truths that we need to live by, mm -hmm. like love and authenticity and honesty and protecting the gift of life and where we live and all. These are eternal verities all over the world. So the questioning, I think, is important. And third, let me mention some kind of a service or giving back, generosity, we call it save in India, serving God by serving humanity, or mm -hmm. let's say non-theistic, serving the highest by serving the lowest, the most needy. So some form of giving back, volunteering, some compassion and loving kindness in action. You talk about in your book, the practice of uh, saving one is, is in a sense saving all of us. Yes. Well, we all count. And um, well, I, it's probably my Jewish roots showing I read in the Talmud once, not that I really studied Judaism after my Hebrew school days, but the Talmud, the wisdom book of the Judaism says, save, to save one soul is to save the world. And that's a fantastic, that really resonates with me, resonated with me when I read it. And people really question about that when I say it. So I said, well, think about this. If your child dies, isn't that like losing the whole world? So to save one child is to save the whole world. I'm 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 going to, I'm going to, argue that that's true enough. <laughs> so going from there, you seem to be in a big picture scope of things on a mission. I don't know if you have several missions. One of your missions seems to be a mission of peace. Yes, of course. Can you share about that? Well, as a Buddhist, we take the Bodhisattva vow, which is about unselfish service to all beings. So of course, that means peace and sanity and also wisdom and improving, you know, 
social systems and justice and equality. Specifically about peace, though, to answer your question, mm-hmm. when, in, when I was in college in the 60s, I was in the peace movement and we were fighting for peace and screaming for peace and some people were blowing up draft boards, quote, for peace and other things. <laughs> War anyway, for peace. <laughs> for peace, of course. Just like now, people are blowing themselves and others up f- for God. And religion is supposed to bring us together, religio, to unite rather than divide us. Anyway, my 19-year-old friend Allison Krauss was shot and killed at Kent State in May, Kent State University, her college. She was a freshman in May 1970, running away from the National Guards in a demonstration against the secret bombings of Vietnam and Cambodia. And my best friend from high school, Barry Levine, was holding her, her boyfriend was holding her hand, and she died right there from a rifle bullet from the part-time soldiers who shot on the students. And four kids died. And one of them was named Jeffrey Miller, which is my goddamn name, before Suridas, from Long Island even. So my family thought I was dead for overnight because I'd been in Kent State visiting them sometimes. Wow. So four kids died that day. Others were wounded. It was a big scandal. But for me, it was a big family uproar and personal uproar. And then I started to feel like I really, I mean, I thought about these things. I started to read Martin Luther King, Gandhi about nonviolence and non-aggression, the Dalai Lama and so on. And Jesus' message about turning the other cheek and giving more than you receive and, you know, so on. And I really started to feel like fighting for peace was a contradiction in terms. I had to become peaceful and sane and even wise and loving, become peace. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated from college, I flew to Eng- England, hitchhiked across Europe, Central Asia, Middle East, and all those countries you can't go to these days if you're an American. Yeah. I-, I was in Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan. I was like a hitchhiking hippie with friends I met along the way. And India, I arrived there in the summer in 1971, and I kind of never came back. This is what I pursued with my life. So now, of course, I'm called to teaching and writing and spiritual activism. So I hope it's a peacemaking and healing message as well as lightening and enlightening up, specifically bringing Buddhist wisdom, ethics, and practices to the West and the message of the Buddha or the light within, Mm -hmm. not just one more thing to believe, one convert to a new form of belief. No, find out for yourself. So my message really is if I can do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. I'm just a three-letter jock from Long Island. (laughs) Not the Dalai Lama. If I can do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. If you feel moved to make this great journey from head to heart and soul and beyond and to to love everyone, as my friend Parvati Marcus's new book calls it, telling stories about us with our guru, Maharaji, Nimkaroli Bab in India in the 70s. So love everyone sounds trite, but it's as important as ever. And it's good also to love someone <laughs> Think locally, but act locally, beginning with ourselves and each other. Loving everyone can be an escape. We also have to learn to love someone and love and accept ourselves also. That seems like the hardest of them all. <laughs> and that's where practice or walking on this path comes in, not just reading travelogues and you know vacation flyers, mm-hmm. but actually going on the journey ourselves together. 
it's a beautiful journey with the beautiful people together. I love it. Well, what would you say brings you the greatest happiness or what I call the woohoo factor? This brings me great happiness. I love doing this and talking about this and sharing this and your spirit, your youthful verve. <laughs> um, I just taught an advanced Dzogchen meditation retreat with my experienced students, invitation only. We do every year mm-hmm. that was, for a week. That was brings me great joy. Um, nature brings me great joy. Um, I have all kinds of, you know, joys and hobbies, sports and, uh, friends. I, I would say, I would say the greatest wealth of my life, although I've had an unbelievable wealth of gurus and freedom and experiences and opportunities, including education and travel. The greatest wealth of my life is the beautiful beings along the way, not just my gurus, the beautiful beings along the way from my sports buddies I grew up with and family to my friends and travel companions to my girlfriends and wife and to my gurus and the gods and Buddhas and bodhisattvas, the invisible array as well as the visible ones, the beautiful beings along the way. That's what gives me the woohoo. <laughs> and we have a word for it called Imaho. 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 It's like Eureka. <laughs> I Hallelujah. like it. Amen. Amen. All right. Where can people go to find out more and uh, to find your book? Well, of course, my new book, Make Me One With Everything, is in bookstores. It's mm-hmm. on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's on my website, surya.org. Also, zogchen.org, my center. I also have Twitter and Facebook feeds um, and blog, com blog. Easy to find if you Google Lama Surya Das, Buddhist Meditation, Zogchen Center, Awakening the Buddha Within. Um, easy to find on the web. My teaching schedule, retreats that I lead every month or every other month, yeah. and so on. Free words of wisdom. We send that every week from my website. So, link in, join, join, join us. Occupy, occupy the light together. Don't leave it to the one percenters. I love it, and we'll have uh, a link to all of that on our website, so we can get them over to your Twitter, to your Facebook, to to each piece of the puzzle as well. Any last words of wisdom before we have you uh, wrap things up with a chant? I actually have a book called Words of Wisdom about my, <laughs> all my one or two liners. but um, and, you, and you have 32, is it 32 like affirmations or one-liners at the back of this book? Yes, at the back of Make Me One With Everything, I have 33 Buddha bites, mm-hmm. bite-sized Buddhas as I call them, these one and two liners. And like, I love those. Um, Letting go means letting come and go, letting be, mm-hmm. things like that. Lighten up while enlightening up. Don't be too serious. Wise and witty, I, I hope. I like it. For today, I would say love yourself, accept yourself, love and accept the next one too. I think that's very important. And now I'm going to, as requested, chant something in Tibetan and use it as a tiny guided meditation. Thank you. Balden Sawe Lama Rinpoche Makye Pananke Gyochi Kepan Yampa Mepa Yankane Kandu Pelwa Shou
homage to my precious heart, master, teacher, guru, who embodies all the enlightened ones, past, present, future, who placed Buddha in the palm of my hand and held my hand till I learned to uphold it. May your heart, mind, and mine, or ours, remain inseparable for the boundless benefit of one and all. And now just breathing, smiling, centering, and relaxing. Breathe deeply and let go and relax. Breathing is a very important spiritual practice. Breathing, relaxing, centering, and smiling. As if this breath is the only breath, attend to it fully. Incandescently present, alert, and aware. Mindful rather than mindlessly sleepwalking through life. This moment, only moment. Imaho, hallelujah. And enjoy the joy of natural co-meditation together. The joy of co-meditation. How sweet it is, Imaho. Well, thank you so much. We'll do a guided meditation afterwards that people can get separately. For everyone out there, this is Michael Sandler saying, be well, have fun, become one with everything, which you already are, <laughs> and shine bright. Woohoo! And Imaho. Shine bright. <laughs> Imaho. Thank you. Thank you. Love to one and all. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, like it, rate it, and review it, which helps more people find the show. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate it and review it. Thanks so much. And be sure to sign up for our mailing list at InspireNationShow.com, where you'll find even more great interviews and information you won't find anywhere else. That's InspireNationShow.com. Be sure to check out our resources page, too, where you'll find the books, products, websites, and resources that are mentioned on our show. And if you loved what you heard and found it helpful, please support the show. And here are four great ways. First, visit our website and check out our sponsors. Second, order a book through our website. Third, make a small donation with the donate link on our website. Fourth, click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage. In this way, we get a small credit for each Amazon purchase you make. It doesn't cost you a thing, and it helps keep the show going. Last, tell your neighbors, tell your friends, and tell your dog or kitty cat to tune into our show. Thanks so much, and shine bright.